Welcome back, podcast fans. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and this is Parenting Impossible, the special needs survival podcast. Well, this is a really interesting week for the podcast. I am doing something a little different this week, and it's all about differences. So in honor of Women's History Month and in honor of just being so excited and proud that Craig Pomerantz was extremely generous and wonderful to let me use his song different last week for my 100th episode. I was also really grateful that he was a guest on my show for this week. Um, And we got to talk about something, again, a little different, not my usual topic. And we were talking about gender differences and I wanted to interview Craig to talk about his book. Craig wrote a book uh, a, called Made by Raffi, and it's a children's book. And um, the book really shines a light on what gender diversity can be about accepting our children's differences and this is about a little boy um, who you know maybe doesn't fit into our typical idea of what little boys do he likes to knit and um it it, you know it kind of uh explores topics of gender differences and what boys should do, what girls should do, you know, what are boy things, what are girl things, and um, bullying and just a number of different issues like that. It's an adorable book. It's um, got really, really great um, pictures. And Craig um, was really wonderful to talk to and he tells just this darling story about why he wrote the book um, and what inspired him to do it because Craig is not an author you know by trade he's a singer he's um, a singer in New York and um, he so he actually uh, sang this and recorded this wonderful song to go with it his song different that I have on this show and also on my last episode. And um, Amanda McBroom and Michelle Brewerman, who um, both are very famous composers, uh, wrote this song for him, composed this song for him and gave it to him. And the song is just beautiful. I love it. And it's all about being different and not doing what people quote expect you to do or being what people expect you to do and these issues impact our disability community at much higher rates than in the average community and I was really excited and interested to read this study that came out uh, late last year in 2020 Now, I know with the pandemic, we've been all COVID-19 all the time, but there's just been a lot of other issues that have come up. So last year, the largest study to date came out that uh, confirms an overlap between 
gender diversity and autism. And it was a fascinating study. Um, it talked about a lot of other studies that had been done, but this study went a lot further because it confirmed the connection, but it also looked at autism traits in people that were not even diagnosed with autism. It also looked at um, gender diversity as an umbrella term and um, it looked at um, an analysis of five unrelated databases that all included information about autism, mental health, and gender. And the study investigator was Varun Warrior at the University of Cambridge in the UK. Um, and it really concluded that autistic people are more likely than neurotypical people to be gender diverse and that gender diverse people are more likely to have autism than our cisgender people. And that was a term, that's a term that I'm just getting to know. And I, um, I thought that, you know, one of the most interesting things about this study was that it looked beyond what some of the earlier studies had done, where the earlier studies, first of all, were looking at a smaller cohort, but they were only looking at things in a clinical context, like they had looked at, you know, people who had gone in for a crisis psychiatric help or people who had gone in for medical issues as, you know, um, uh, gender assignment surgery, for example. In this case, they were looking at way beyond that and, um, you know, going much, much further. So the five data sets together included 641,000 plus people. I mean, that is huge, huge number of people in a study. So um, I thought that this was just an incredible study. There was uh, great data in there and, um, and I, I just found it powerful and interesting. Um, not that, you know, autism and uh, other learning disabilities and other, um, other types of mental health issues and um, nonverbal learning disabilities and, um, and gender issues are, you know, the only um, conflux or confluence that we are looking at here, but, um, you know, that was that, so that's an interesting study. Anyway, I just wanted to raise that as an issue. I know that in our neck of the woods here, A&E is a really great organization and they have a number of programs and support groups that do explore this topic and this issue that, that, impacts people's lives. So um, it was um, really my pleasure to do this interview with Craig. I loved the book. I thought that the illustrations were wonderful. I thought the message was wonderful. And it's not a typical topic for me, but um, I love the song and I love the idea of just letting people be people. And 
I think in this day and age, it's about time that we are just following our path to individuality. I think we should be doing that in education. I think we should be doing that in our workplace. I think we should be doing that in our lives just all together. And I believe that that is the path that we're on. And I hope that we get there sooner rather than later. So without further ado, we are going to play uh, Craig's song again, different. And Craig, thank you again so much for being on the show and for lending us your beautiful song to play. I am so appreciative of being able to get to know you and for you letting us play your song. So here we go. Snowflake in each hand, perfect. Find two shells upon the sand, perfect. Each of them a wonder, neither quite the same, though they may be similar in form and name. Girls play baseball, boys knit hats, different. Some love dogs and some like cats, different. Some are born to stand and sing, some are born to run. All of us are family, sisters and daughters, brothers and sons. Now we share this time and place On a ball that spins through space Underneath the same bright star More than what we think we are Though some are tame and some grow wild Special Shining in the moonlight Dancing in the sun Perfect Different Special Many podcast fans. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and this is Parenting Impossible, the special needs survival podcast. And today, oh my gosh, we have an interesting episode for you. We are talking with Craig Pomerantz. Did I say that right? You did. You did. Oh goodness. Okay. Thank God. I practiced that before I came on today. And then of course, panic just ensued when I said your name and I thought to myself, oh gosh, I hope I said that correctly. I do that to myself all the time. Okay, so we are talking about a 
fascinating subject today. We're talking about gender stereotyping, gender fluidity, toxic masculinity, and bullying, and a bunch of other things. And Craig wrote a fascinating children's book, which actually should be a book for everybody, I think. I think so too. It's called Made by Raffi. And um, Craig, I am so fascinated, fascinated to have you here today. <laughs> Thanks for joining. Welcome. Thank you. And I, I just want to, while you mentioned that, one of the interesting things about this book when you brought up bullying was that a number of the letters or, or, uh, or emails that I get are from parents who, after reading the book, discovered that their child was the bully. And wow. that was something that didn't even occur to me, you know, because uh, that wasn't the story I was necessarily telling, but they recognized their child in it. And then they, they were able to sort of guide their child to understand the difference. So. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. We're going to talk about that too. <laughs> so, Craig, I am just fascinated to know what, what's your story? How did you come to, because, you know, you're not an author by trade. Yeah. And this is not your, your life story. You know, you're not in the disability community. You're not in this community. Um, what brought you to write this book? What, what's your background? It is actually, I have, I've written a lot, but I would not consider, I don't have the, um, what is it? The, the, uh, the, uh, the concentration and the focus to, I, I, I respect writers so much. Although a lot of my friends who write for the Times are always like, yeah, well, you're published. But it's like, but I- if you're um, an entertainer, you're a singer. That's right, what you I'm do for a living. Yeah, I travel the world singing in clubs, but I, uh, and now of course the book, and I do, I do a lot of podcasts and talk about parenting sites, which amuses all of my friends since I have no children. But, <laughs> um, but, I, but I've helped raise a lot of children in my life. And, and this is based on an incident with my godson. And uh, okay. so aside from just the incident with my godson, one of the fascinating things to me was that I recognize we've all been bullied in our lives. I mean, this is the, the concept of bullying, why it's hard for me because I don't think it will ever go away. And I want, I want people to understand that they can give the tools to their children to not be victims of bullying. Because if we all think back and reading this book reminded me of when I was a child and when I was bullied. Because as a, as a young boy raised in a very religious community, the fact that I was already earning a living on the stage, singing and dancing, that was, not, that was frowned upon. So you know, to get past that, by getting the support that you need without being overly protective, which is another issue altogether. Um, so that was, that's how it started, but it started with an incident with my, with my godson. And he had said to me, he was very anxious about going to sleep and we were asking what was wrong and how he was feeling. And he said, you know, all the, all the kids at school, they say, dude, and they're really, they play sports and they're really loud and rough and, it just makes me anxious because I, I like really quiet things. And then he looked up at me and he said, is there such a thing as a Tom girl? And mm -hmm. I, I immediately just thought, well, no, I'm, there's not even a word. And then I thought, well, there, now there is. It's like, that says so much. And the, and the interesting thing is it says so much about so many things because Tom boy is kind of an accepted, powerful, oh, she's assertive. She's you know, in the world, it's become this sort of positive thing. But if you say Tom girl to anybody, there's this immediate negative concept to it, which is so 
sort of sad and unfortunate. And I really want to explore that further in other books and stuff like that. And I think I was saying to you and that earlier that, uh, you know, the idea that feminine and anything feminine seems to be a negative, what that's, how that says to our little girls as they're growing up, how they are, it's just, it's just wrong in my opinion. And, and we have to somehow change that somehow. Yeah, well, we, we identify everything female as weak, less well, than. But it, but it shouldn't be. Obviously, it shouldn't be. What, what could be stronger than emotion? You know, and that's a positive thing. And that's, um, we're, we're getting a little off, I think a little off track, and I apologize. I was talking to someone about uh, this new empowerment in film among women. All these women who are doing all these new movies, and basically a lot of the movies, because they own the rights, and I know why they're doing it, they're making money, but they, they just sort of recast all of these sort of frat boy movies with women to sort of prove that they can be as horrible as men. <laughs> and I'm sort of like, well, is that really, that's the empowerment of women? Like, don't women have something and girls have something of themselves to say that's more important than, oh, I can also shoot a gun and beat someone up? You know, anyway, it's a... It's but, a the, but the chick flicks don't make as much money well, but I, I, you know, I, yeah, I, I understand the financial aspect of it. I just think that there's, but the chick flicks may not, but emotional stories always have a longer run, always last longer in people's memories and ultimately make more money if they keep going on and get played more often and stuff like that. Right, so right. That's interesting. Yeah. So as you're talking with your godson about this issue, how does that translate into writing a book? Um, I told the story. I, I, I told the story about his parents had said to him, you know something, you are, you are your own person. You're your own self. And, and, and it, what other people say is not really the issue. You have to find your way. Mm -hmm. uh, and, they, and they just sort of supported him when he wanted to start knitting. What He started to wanting to knit and sew, which is why he was being teased. Right. And then it's that whole thing about how uh, it's all about ignorance. It's like people, perception of a boy knitting being a negative thing. Although, as I always say, well, aren't the most famous designers in the world like men? <laughs> you know, it's like the famous chefs. Not all of them. But... No, but, no but, but predominantly and for a long time. And, and same thing with chefs. Some of the most famous chefs in the world are men. And I just sort of feel like all these sort of activities that are pushed down in, on boys uh, because of perception. Uh, and so anyway, what happened in real life was that uh, he started, he was being teased in school, but he started knitting and sewing. And they announced at the school that they were gonna do a play. And one of his, one of the persons who was a bully who was teasing him, he was, they announced that he was gonna play the lead in the play and he was gonna play a prince. And so my godson Rafi had actually gone home and created a cape for the prince just because he liked to do that and he thought it'd be fun. And then, you know, then everyone's like, oh my God, he's, he's so talented and he's gonna make me clothing. He's gonna be a famous designer. And then it all changed because of the mm -hmm. idea of, of, of what he did and, and what it could do for them. So, you know, and it's like anything else when you learn how to be with someone you know, then it, it doesn't become frightening or weird. It just becomes like, oh, this is who he is or who she is and who they are. And, and, it's, and it's, all, it's about just being yourself and being um, accepting yourself for who you are and being calm about yourself. Right. 
Yeah. We were talking earlier a bit about, uh, if, I, if you interrupt me whenever you want. <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> we I were, love this conversation. We were talking earlier about uh, what I perceive as overprotection. And um, one of the examples of that is I have these friends who are extremely liberal, extremely well-educated. And uh, they had a little boy who at one point uh, decided to wear high heels, which is certainly not an uncommon thing, at least it's written about all the time that it's, yeah, little boys try stuff like that. Um, and they, they were like totally yeah, supportive and yeah, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine. And then one day um, he wanted to wear the heels out in public and they said, they said, well, no, you should probably just only do that at home. And I said to them, but you understand now that you're doubling down on the problem. You're not protecting him. You're now making him aware that there's something wrong with it. And they hadn't, it hadn't occurred to them. It had just hadn't occurred to them because they thought, no, we're, we're protecting him and we're being supportive. But, you know, they're also giving him a different message. Mm -hmm. so. so gender fluidity, that's, that's, that's yeah. pretty new for all of us, especially us older people. You know, we are, we're learning to adapt and, um, you know, it's pretty cool. It's, it's pretty interesting, at least for me as somebody who's, you know, now 50 ish, ish. <laughs> and uh, I know I don't look it. Um, well, the audience can't see me. Thank God. Cause I don't look so great today, but um you know, it's so this is kind of new stuff for us, but the kids have always felt that way, right? They're born with this. I don't know. If, trying on shoes isn't about gender fluidity, though, right? Well, they, is, I think what's interesting is the reason to let children, in, in my opinion, uh, is because sh children should be able to try on different skins so then they can decide what it is, that, how it is that they want to be. But isn't it though? But isn't it trying on? Right. No, we didn't just, just, but, but just the, the fear of a little boy putting on heels, it doesn't mean he's going to decide he's a girl or decide that he's even gay. He's just but, putting on heels. He's trying on something else. And, you know, and if you let him do it, he, you know, who knows what he'll feel like, you know, later on down the right. road. You know, that's all I'm saying. I guess, I guess I look at that as being fluid though, as just, doing whatever you want to or feel like for the moment. And then it turns into whatever it's going to be. However you let it, and yeah, however you embrace it. Right. Yeah. I, I, so, general, I mean, I think it's, it's um, larger. Well, there, and that's a, it's a difficult, listen, you're, you're calling this is parent impossible parenting or parenting parent impossible. Yes. <laughs> What is impossible is that, um, which is why communication is key for all parents, of course, which is the hardest thing is to know if you're communicating correctly. But I think that, yeah, it's like, it's like you don't know, there's a difference between supporting someone's fluidity or, or way of life and encouraging it too. I mean, it, it's a very, it's a very fine line. And, and we're so busy wanting to protect, and you certainly want to protect children from violence. That is the most important thing. But, um, but to let them sort of explore who they are and try on these different skins, that's, that's you know, you got to let them make the mistake. And, you know, they may just find out, oh, well, pink's not my color. But, right. uh, <laughs> but uh, then when it gets, if you start to, 
like I, it always is interesting to me, and I, I don't know if you've had this on your podcast, but I'd be very curious to hear it if you have, um, those parents that, you know, support their young boys in drag shows. You know, I think that there's, there's, that's more encouraging a behavior than it is letting, a beha- letting someone find their way. Am I wrong about that? Do, do you know what interesting. I mean? I, I sort of was thinking about this as you were talking and I was thinking, you know, we find, if I'm understanding your book and your message and correct me if I'm wrong, okay. I was thinking about it like this. Your message is that it's so much easier for a parent to allow their girl to go out there in boys clothes and to do boy things than it is for a boy a parent to allow their boy to go out there and do girl things right absolutely that's the message that you were giving us because it's just not acceptable for one message for the feminine you know to to, for boys to do the feminine feminine's just not good that's the message for some reason right for some reason but but the message in the book is that it's not true the right. message in the book is that's what's to be aware of because Rafi was happened to be very lucky because his parents were just extremely supportive of him being whoever Rafi might be and not worrying about him being teased because you know if as he was focused on what he did uh, sewing and knitting as he was really concentrating on trying to do better at the craft or the that he liked you know the teasing sort of rolled off his back because he was busy being something and doing something for himself. And, right. then, and he was empowering his own self so that he became a little more self-possessed about that. Because we cheer on the girl who wants to join the boys football team. Absolutely. But we don't cheer on the boy who wants to join the girls lacrosse team. Exactly. Or cheerleading. So, or cheerleading, right, right. So I, I just thought that was great. Yeah. That was really great. I think, thank you. I, I often paraphrase Gloria Steinem when she said, uh, I'm gonna look at it. We've begun to raise daughters more like sons, but few have the courage to raise our sons more like our daughters. That's beautiful. Uh, yeah, I love her anyway. <laughs> I've met her several times and I love her, so. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, it's, um, and it, and we can we can sit here and intellectually sort of banter about it, but the, but, when it's in your home, how do we help people understand that uh, that's the hard part? So that's the next point. Mm -hmm. So Craig, the book now is telling us what to do. So what, let's tell our audience, what can we do to help our sons? What can we do to help ourselves? How do we embrace this? First, first, you take a very deep breath. Yes, because <laughs> we need it. Because we need it, yeah, absolutely. This stuff is hard. <laughs> it's very and hard. These kids don't come with a manual, you know, no. and, and, and neither do we. And they don't tell you everything. Right. I, I mean, it's it's hard because they don't tell you everything. And when it comes they to- They change so fast. And when teasing happens, they definitely don't tell them. Right. So, so you have to be aware. So I think that- I think that what we're saying is, is that you have to allow your child to be who they are as best as possible and not interfere with that. 
and mm-hmm. sort of give empower them to find some sort of uh, self-awareness and self-possession so that they can just be who they are and they're gonna make mistakes because, you know, listen, we as adults <laughs> make mistakes still. Right. Um, and then not panic. I think that it's, it's, the, it's the panicking part that when parents, and then you become this overprotectiveness. So if you allow them to be who you are and then, and then as also it's easier for the parent, I think, it's easier for the parent as they see the progression of what that child is doing because you learn more about who they are and who they might be. Because as I said, not every child who puts on heels is gonna wanna wear those heels every day. They may get tired of it. And if they want heels every day, then you like, you can see it happening and it's easier for you to understand where they're going when you abruptly change things or abruptly put limits um, on those uh, things, then it, then, the child starts thinking other things that you know, you, that you're, you're not only second guessing the child, the child starts to second guess themselves. Mm. They may not think of it in that way. But. Okay. Okay. And then you talk about how we can prevent bullying too. you know, get in front of that. Yeah. It's, well. it's hard because I, as I, 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 I was telling Annette earlier that, I think bullying will always happen. I don't think you can prevent bullying, but what I think you can do is you can make a child uh, self-possessed enough to not care so much about bullying. You know, it's like, you know, we're always gonna find people who, you know, your ears stick out, you know? Well, okay, you know, and, uh, uh, and we're gonna, so we have to, we have to, if that child knows that they're loved and supported at home, those things will matter, but they won't matter as much and they'll be able to have that roll off their backs in an easier way. Than yeah, it's not focus. easy. It's not easy, but. And if, but if they focus on the bullying, I think it becomes harder. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's that kind of thing. Like when I remember when I was a kid, when the neighbors wouldn't let me play ball with them, you know, and my mom wanted to come out and tell the kids, you know, you have to play ball. It's like, you know, that's the worst thing you can do, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, at that level, though, um, you talk about toxic masculinity too, mm-hmm. and that's an interesting concept. Yeah. So, what do you mean by that? Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna throw it all at you today. <laughs> um, no, well, there's a lot to talk about because because you know you have to wonder what parents when they see that child putting on a dress who is a boy start to think this is, that's the negative thing about feminine, right? It's like, it's like that's, the, that's not a boy thing to do. You can't do that. You mm-hmm. know, the same thing, uh, you know, and with a girl as well, it's like, you have to, to, you, to break that mold of toxic masculinity. You have to, uh, you have to allow the children, boys and girls, uh, be able to express feelings uh, you know, not be afraid of, of just, the, you know, whatever feelings they have, because that's also how they learn how to temper their feelings. You know, that's how they learn how to communicate or how to argue with somebody else. You know, that, that uh, being violent is not ever an answer for anybody, um, that there are other ways, there are other ways to explode. You can explode with language and, and that, uh, and I don't mean, you know, loud decibel levels. I'm just saying, you know, you talk through things and you, and you can, and you cry all this vent. There are, there are positive ways of venting your emotions that um, are much more helpful than the, what we've, what a lot of us learned growing up, which is considered toxic masculinity. 
I love the um, the interior, the the design and the illustrations in the book. By the way, um, who who did the illustrations in the book? Uh, Margaret Chamberlain. She's a she's actually a very famous illustrator in the UK. Uh, so beautiful. Yeah, although I, although I'll tell you, it, this is a part of this is a good example of what's interesting, because it was my first book, so I was so I was excited when this huge company wanted to publish it, but in the publishing of it, one of the first, it's in eleven countries. So what's uh, what's interesting is that the first one of the first countries to buy the book was Italy, but they said they would only buy the book. Rafi, the actual Rafi character, and the way we writ, wrote it was written and also drawn, Rafi is really blonde with very long hair. So in Italy, they wrote us and said, we want this book, but you have to shorten the hair. <laughs> and, I, and I thought to myself, well, that's kind of part of the message. <laughs> you know, it's like a boy can't have long hair. It was interesting. Um, so that was one. In China, uh, they said, we want to publish this book, but he can't have blonde hair. You know. It, it's a fascinating thing. So you go around the world and, and I guess part of what makes this book so um, important to me uh, is that it proves that basically we're all the same and it crosses all cultures. Uh, mm -hmm. These issues cross everybody, which is why I hear from all over the world from little girls and little boys and stuff like that. And, uh, and it's kind of, it's been, I mean, it's been really remarkable for me. It's probably, I, you know, I, I just think it's amazing. It's so beautiful and colorful and- Well, I, I, say, I wasn't happy with the cover of the book. And oh, really? when I say that, it's been not because I'm not happy with what Margaret designed, but uh, because I thought it, in, my, in my limited scope, I thought it read, the cover read gay to me. Like it was the rainbow color scarf. Oh. I thought that reads LGBT to me. And, and I, was, I was thinking, I want this book to be, it's not about sexuality and I want it to be about gender. I want everyone to embrace it. And I really, you know, I heard from, in fact, <clears throat> I heard from in Texas, a publisher of a newspaper in Texas, a big newspaper in Texas said to me, I want you to know that um, you sent me a PDF of your book and I think it's amazing. And I bought it from my grandson. Um, I would. I wish I could write about it, but here in Texas, I can't write about a book like this. You know, you're a newspaper. You can't write about a book like this because it's. He, he said, I, "I live in too conservative an area. We can't publish. We can't write an article about it." But and I and I thought that he was uh, intimating that it was the, the cover represented a specific sort of LGBT thing, which he said he couldn't write about. And I, you know, I wasn't going to argue and explain. Well, it's not. That's not specific to that. You know, it's really about. Huh. embracing all of us and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I, uh, okay. I mean, I didn't get that, but yeah. maybe I'm just dense. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe I'm just hypersensitive, I, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, well, you know you what? Know, I wanted it to go everywhere and I was, I was watching it and thinking, hmm. I, I, I mean, I guess I can see that now that you're pointing it out to me, but um, what a beautiful book. Anyway, um, did it, it win some awards? Oh, we were nominated for a couple of awards. We didn't win. We were shortlisted oh. for uh, the Little Rebel Award, which nice. is uh, yeah, stuff like that. So yeah. that is very cool. Very cool. Yeah, and got lots of great reviews. So that's awesome. Amazing. 
Well, amazing. And, and, and I wanted, I want to do more uh, podcasts and I want to talk about these issues because they're important more than ever, because as you're saying that uh, when now that there's so much visibility around transgender people, and it's interesting that you brought this up earlier and that because I would say maybe, and you can correct me, but 10 years ago, autism was the conversation and maybe more, but, but don't you think 10 years ago, and now this couple of years, it seems to be transgender. Um, you know, and it's interesting. So I think it's important to be able to put these, put these visibilities, if that's the way to say it, uh, in context and, and have real conversations about them. Because, and what's great about them is there's the good and the bad. And the good is that of course, it becomes less frightening to people until it hits close to home. And then the bad thing is that it also encourages bad behavior. It's, it's hard to, um, because we, we're, we live in a society that wants to label things so quickly. Oh my gosh, yes. So oh. when, if someone labels themselves as transgender at age 12, that's a, or even younger, that's a hard, that's a hard row. You know what I mean? I, I just, it's worrisome to me because I, I, want, I want that person to, to know who they are fully and whatever they decide, you know, I would be supportive of. But once you do that, you can't go back. And we've seen certainly a lot of um, transgender people who don't now, there's a whole different version of transgender where they don't do operations uh, and stuff like that. And also some people who have done operations and said, you know, I, want to, I don't want to do this anymore and try and, try and change back. But the, for me, the fear is putting medication and hormones and changing your body at a really young age is really hard to, you can't go back once you do that. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to, I don't want to say correct it because I'm not trying to be negative about that choice. Can you help me? I don't know what I'm trying to say. Well, Do you there's, we're not clinicians, so we can't have this clinical discussion. Yeah. Um, but in the disability community, it certainly has an impact, I think, pretty profound, a pretty profound impact. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, from our perspective, from the disability community perspective, I certainly felt that I wanted to have this conversation with you. I think this book is very impactful and, you know, was super excited to talk about these issues. I think gender and gender fluidity and um, transgender and just all of these issues, uh, bullying, especially being different and that's a huge, just, just a big elephant in the room, right? I mean, these are, these are issues that we face in the disability community all the time. And um, I'm so thrilled that you and other folks like you are creating art and you know, stories, music, film, and bringing stories to light, bringing, bringing art to light. And we're talking about it now in a way that 10 years ago, as we talked about before we turned on the record button, that we weren't, you know, just in the last decade, so much has opened up. So many channels have opened up because of artists like yourself because we've got podcasts now, because we, we're just in touch with a 
part of ourselves and a piece of our community that we haven't been willing to look at before. Yeah. So I'm thrilled. About how the earlier children's book of my youth, um, they told sort of fables and lessons and something like that, but they don't now, they weren't as focused as the last five years and how like they're really focused on topics to be explored and really be conversational. Um, and as we were saying, we, when you think of how impactful those books were that weren't exploring that, and now we have books where people sort of demand you talk about them, demand explanation. Yeah, and, look, I was just watching on TV a um, rerun of a um, special victims, uh, whatever, TV show. Um, Law I can't remember what the name, Law and Order, Special Victims yeah. Unit, um, where there was a teenager who was a uh, transgender teenager and um, was bullied and fell off a bridge, well, got pushed off a bridge and died, right? I remember that. Bullied, bullied because cross-dressing and wasn't sure, you know, whether um, he was a she or not. And anyway, there was so much discussed in that episode from five years ago. We would never have seen something like that on TV when we were growing up. Well, and also, and also in that particular episode, the person who did the pushing didn't want to do the pushing. He was, he was himself pushed into it accidentally. And, and confused he, about you know, what he was feeling and all the things that you brought up in the book about Rafi also, because the children in the story were all talking about their feelings about Rafi and about boys and girls and their place in the world. And it just having these conversations is so important. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah. I, yeah, I love, I love that. And I love, I also love talking to kids about it and hearing what they have to say, um, because that's the important thing. Because I think that when kids are given a voice, it's, you know, they learn how to communicate what they need and what they want also, and they learn from that. And then it's easier for parents to not be so frightened of what they're seeing right in front of them. Um, right. So I think that's important too, to, to not be afraid of, not be afraid of what your kids might say. When I was a kid, my parents were, um, uh, I mean, I was a really good little kid and my parents, mm -hmm. At least I'll say that. I don't know if they would say that. <laughs> but, um, no, but I remember at one point uh, growing up and I was young. I mean, I wasn't, I don't even know if I was a teenager yet, but I said to them, you know, you've taught me not to lie to you. And I'm, I just want to say to you, don't ask me anything that you don't want me to tell you the truth to. Right. And um, they were a little taken aback by that. But, you know, the truth is whenever they asked me something really interesting or serious or whatever, they knew I would tell them the truth. And um, so it was an interesting growth for us as, as uh, my parents and me as a child. It was a wonderful thing for me. It, I got so close to my parents, it was kind of an a, amazing revelation. So I love that. So, so what is everybody, next? I wish everybody could have that and you're not going to. I just want every parent to know <laughs> that immediately because it takes time, it takes to, to get someone to trust you in that mm -hmm. way. But you know, if you support them in the correct way, if you're not too overly protective and let people ride their wave, however they ride it, they will learn to trust you because they know you've got their back. 
and they right. know you're not going to curtail them and say you can't do that you can't do that i mean unless it's something really serious and violent but and and then then communication will be so much easier one hopes so what what is next now that this book is out and you've successfully drawn this topic out do you have a plan for what comes after this I've written several books which which haven't gotten published yet, unfortunately. But and one is in particular, I'm trying to write a book. I'm trying to uh, understand how to write a book about the what fe how feminine is a positive thing. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to put that in a book, so mm -hmm. that little girls don't raise. You know, I mean, our little girls just are raised thinking, "I wish I were a boy." I mean. Not that they do, but they, they can. Boys get away with things. You know, girls get away with things too. And we, I mean, I just. So you know what I'm trying to say. I, I just want to, because I, I, that's not about STEM. It's not about math. It's not about, oh, girls can handle a gun. It's about feminine things should be powerful. If, and if you want to say emotional things are feminine, then great. That's the most powerful thing in the world is emotional things. So I want there to be a little girl who's emotional and who is feminine and who everyone can say, wow, that's great. And then one day someone's going to say, you know, I want to be a Tom girl and be positive about it. You know? Yes. <laughs> well, that would be amazing. I don't know if we're ever going to see that, but that would be amazing. It's hard because when you look up in the dictionary, there aren't any. I mean, it, it, I think recently they've sort of changing it, but I looked it up and when I started trying to write about it and, you know, every, when you, as you said earlier, when you look up feminine, it usually says weaker. <laughs> it usually said, you know, I'm like, why is it weaker? You know, the weaker sex. Yeah. 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 So where can people buy your book? Uh, Amazon or any local bookstore will be able to get it. Um, you can go to my website, craigpomrans.com and send me a message. I'm happy to, to send books. Uh, but Amazon and Barnes and Noble or wherever your local bookstore should have be, be able to get it as well. And you um, I, meant to, I meant to give you the song. I don't know, you know, that Amanda McBroom and Michelle Browerman, uh, Amanda wrote the song, The Rose for Bette Midler. Mm -hmm. he, um, after reading the book, she and Michelle wrote a song called Different, which, um, which I recorded last year, or uh, not you, I recorded and released. Um, oh. So I, I meant to give it to you. You could play it at the end. I'll send it to you. you maybe you can play it at the end of the podcast or something. That would be uh, great. Uh, so that's, and I'm trying to write, you know, I, I did another Rafi book, Rafi Likes to Bake, where he teaches everyone how to bake cookies with cookie recipes. And um, and you know, various. I'm trying. I'm trying. Like we're all trying. You know, I want to. Uh, I want to see. You know, I have a um, a young girl in my building who was extraordinarily shy, and um, I was one of the few people that she would ever talk to for some reason. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And then I realized it was because whenever I saw her, I would kneel down, eye eye to her, to talk to her, and 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 just getting that kind of attention. And I was trying to think, well, that would be an interesting book to talk about um, how to really talk to a child. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, this has been awesome. And I hope that all of you will go out and grab this book because it's very sweet. And I loved it. Oh. I thought it was amazing. And 
I thought the cover was really nice. So I didn't agree with <laughs> it you. is nice. Now Margaret's going to be really mad at me. It wasn't Margaret's fault. <laughs> it, was, it was a group decision. I, lo I loved the cover, Margaret. <laughs> I thought it was really sweet. <laughs> and definitely the artwork was amazing inside. Yes, so, and I think the message, is, hair. <laughs> the message is amazing too. So Craig, thank you so much for bringing this topic to light because I think it's so on point right now. So on point, we are just there. And as a society, we are ready to be talking about these things for sure. Well, thank you for having me and thank you for the work you're doing because it's really important. And, uh, and, and anyone who wants to reach out to me, please do. I'm happy to continue these conversations. Yes, it's fascinating. Yeah. We listen, we covered a lot of territory here. <laughs> we did, and we have so much more to talk about. I think I might want to have part two of this conversation. <laughs> I'll come back. I'll come back. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I just wanted to take a second to say how much I appreciate you taking the time to listen to these podcasts. I'm having a blast doing them, and I hope that you're finding the content to be what you were really hoping. If you are, please take a second to leave a rating and a review. It's so helpful in getting this content out to people who really need to hear it. Thank you so much.